Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Friends, I have a good problem on my hands in that I have so many great people who want to be guests and co-hosts of the discussions about Star Wars Kenobi that I can't fit them all into one episode. So you're going to have me and Ashley and Paul doing kind of, you know, 24-hour reactions to the episodes as they come out on Wednesday nights. But then we're also going to have Riki and Sarah Hayashi joining me towards the end of the week because we're almost to the new episode, sometimes with maybe one or two other people, to look at some of the feedback that you all have sent in and just kind of share some more of our thoughts about the show because there's just so many great people who I want to get on and I want to talk to about Kenobi and what we think about it. All that and more after a commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. They then pronouns. Hi, I'm Sarah. She, her. And I am Riki Skywalker. He, him. <laughs> Everyone can be a Skywalker. Everyone can be a Skywalker. Everyone can claim the name Skywalker. And Riki, you are part of canon. I like it. <laughs> well, let's dive into this. We had three episodes are out now. I've not had a chance to get to talk to you both. What do you think so far? It's not what I was expecting. And I'm a little disappointed by it. But I mean, I guess not everything has to be for me all the time. Yeah. What were you expecting? I was expecting more of like individualistic looks at the characters. Like, here's what Obi-Wan's doing. And then maybe we cut to what Vader's doing. And then cut to like Owen and Luke. I wasn't expecting Leia at all, but in that setup, they would like remain these separate entities and maybe come together at the very last episode. Instead, like it's episode three and we've already had Vader and Obi-Wan face off, which, yeah, is a little confusing to me, but I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I'm getting more and more excited, especially with Vader. I love the character of Darth Vader. I have a tattoo of his helmet. <laughs> so so this has been a long time coming. It's been building. And I just, I really liked the second half of episode, or part three of Obi-Wan mm. Kenobi. Other than that weird Resident Evil geography trick that Reva <laughs> did to somehow circumvent Leia. That that part, I was just like, no, this isn't working. But the Vader mm. parts, the Vader and Obi-Wan parts... I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm trying to reconcile, you know, with the canon and the words that are said in A New Hope. But for now, I am strongly along for the ride. You know, I think it's funny. I think it's kind of an important thing in fandom is that because we talked some about the, the Resident Evil thing that, that Paul was very bothered by as well on the Wednesday night podcast. And on that one, also, I talked about how, for me, I was just a little thrown by Kenobi and Obi-Wan meeting like this, and how does that interact with a later line about the circle is now complete and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of what we're finding is that different people have different things that bother them, and that's okay. Because to me, I think, you know, none of us are saying this means the show is garbage. There's no, like, this ruins our childhood. It's just, yeah, the show might be the show for us. The show might not be the show for us. There's little things that might bother us, and for some people it might be canon, for some people it might be... Because I'll be honest, I didn't notice that in the slightest, the whole thing about, like, where Reva was and stuff like that. I just, My brain just doesn't work that way. But when, like, Vader won the fight, I was like, no, no, you can't do that. So I, I think that's a good thing in fandom. I think, like, it's okay for us not to love every single part of it, as long as we're not jerks about it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad show. I, I guess I want to, like, put that out there. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it seems like it's well-written, well-acted. I enjoy the characters. It's just, like, if this was a separate TV show outside of, like, Star Wars canon, I think I would like it very, very much, although I'd probably be very confused. 
yeah, I just, like, it's me reconciling it with canon that's, like, giving me issues. I'm like, we're only halfway through. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll make it all make sense for me later. But yeah, it's just yeah. not, it's not the show that I thought I was going to get. I definitely had similar thoughts to you. I thought this could be much more sort of quiet, like spending time with Kenobi, mm-hmm. dealing with his guilt, dealing, and we're getting some of that, but he's so busy that it's hard for him to have time to really kind of process all of it. It's funny because the first two episodes, I started out thinking I wasn't going to like it because of that, but then we got Little Princess Leia, which I didn't know how much I needed and loved and I absolutely am loving. But yeah, then by episode three, I'm like, okay, so we already had this great confrontation. I guess we're going to have another one, but like, where does the show go from here? Yeah, and like I know I was kind of bothered by Princess Leia, like the, the uh like Leia was really Leia was annoying to me in the first two episodes. I guess there's no like polite way of saying that. But yeah, in this episode, I thought I mean I thought she was great. She was really like sweet, really intuitive, and really felt a lot like the Leia that we see in A New Hope, and even the Leia mm-hmm. that we see later in Rebels. And yeah, I, I'm liking her interactions with Obi-Wan, but they, they're, yeah, it's confusing. Do you not remember him? What's going on? Ah. I think when it comes to this TV show and especially the child actor playing Leia, we have to remember that when things are filmed, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes time for chemistry to build between mm-hmm. actors and especially for child actors, I feel like. So the first two episodes, yeah, it wasn't working. The third one, I thought really worked between Leia and Obi-Wan. The scene when they are on the the back of the truck, yeah. interacting with the stormtroopers and, and talking mm-hmm. about her mother. That that was like I loved the Vader parts, but that was also a, a great part. In my opinion. Well, and even yeah. the like at the beginning when she sort of wakes up on the cargo ship and she's being a little bit like impudent, I'm like, are we there yet? But it, it's not, it wasn't nearly as like bothersome to me as like running off to go see what this food truck has to offer after having mm. just been kidnapped, right? Like it, it felt more <laughs> aligned with the character. Yeah, that's fair. I love the character and I loved her in episodes one and two and love the actress. But, you know, I think that's just it's it, I think especially with child actors, mm-hmm. It's so hit or miss, you know, and people have all sorts of different ideas. There, there's some child actors that I really don't like that other people are big fans of, you know, and I think it's just, it's just going to come down to, to what works. But I definitely agree with you, Riki, that, I agree with both of you, but that, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for that, that develop and that I've already talked about it, so I don't want to repeat too much of it, but that seeing that in episode th- three, especially those moments where Kenobi tells her what to do and she's just like, nope, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, to me, that's so exactly who Princess Leia is going to grow up into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this way, it's like, it's like I don't talk, I don't, I'm not supposed to talk. I, yeah, it feels it feels right for Leia. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to quickly mention the actress's name is Vivian Lyra Blair. So oh, thank you. Okay. Give, give her credit there. Yeah. Yep. Definitely did not know that. <laughs> but yes, thank you. I saw it once or twice. My, na- my memory for names is terrible, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very glad for that. And and I liked seeing her on social media and stuff, like her interacting with you and McGregor and some of the others has been wonderful. So, oh yeah, well uh, there's and there's pictures of her with Hayden Christensen, and the the fandom is like melting over that, like the what if of like oh yeah him being a dad to her. Cute. Mm-hmm. For, for me, the what if has been you know I I think we 
her, her loss is felt every day, but I, I just wish I could see Carrie Fisher react to this because yeah. I think mm. Carrie Fisher would absolutely love it and be so proud of this. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely cried about thinking about it the first time. So, yeah. well, so and let's talk about the, the Obi-Wan Vader of it, because that's clearly like we've gotten that big conflict already. You know, what would you think of how all that went down? I, I'm just going to have to, next time I watch A New Hope, I actually watched that scene individually, but just in the future when I watch A New Hope, I'm just going to have to ignore some of that or just like, <laughs> hum my way through it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't I don't think the words that they say to each other make full sense in the context that this they've had this other meeting now. Mm. I don't, like, maybe they're going to have a meeting in like episode six where it's like, you're still just a learner. Oh, Anakin slash Darth. Oh. And then it'll, like, to try and rectify that. But I also, like, I don't necessarily want them to, like, ham-fist that in. I just think, like, it it was odd having it at the halfway point. Because this seems like the climactic meeting that we would have been building to. At the very least, like, it was setting up foundation for it to be a very climactic moment in New Hope. And, like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, upon re-watching it later... It didn't bother me as much as it did the first time. And I, I like what Vader was doing with, the, like, just toying with Obi-Wan. Like, it's oh, been yeah. a decade. He's been searching mm-hmm. for him that whole time. He's going to have his fun with him and make him really suffer the way that, you know, he feels he's suffered. Um, So that, like, makes sense to me. Even the letting him go kind of makes sense to me, right? Like, Obi-Wan is, is out of shape. He's not really on his game force-wise saber battle wise Mm -hmm. um and i think you know anakin just really wants to hold him in that lake of fire and give him a big monologue about his feelings um and if he doesn't get to do that then let him get away and they'll catch him again they're on his tail now Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's some folks who said like why didn't vader kill him and it's like oh vader does not want him dead yeah this is the cat who's not done playing no he says so he says your suffering has only begun Mm -hmm. he wants he wants to torture him for a long time yeah. And I thought there's something pretty wonderful about, I mean, it was awful, but like the the brutality involved of I'm going to kill random people just to make you feel guilty was, I thought, kind of brilliant in terms of showing the dark side and showing also just how much Anakin knows Kenobi, you know, and how much he knows what will push his buttons and what will make him kind of get out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Riki also thinks that that's a like guilt play. I think it's just like Vader being close and not not dicking around anymore, right? Like mm. I've sensed that Obi-Wan is nearby. You're not him. You're going to sass me about like grabbing your dad while you're dead now, who cares? I'm mm-hmm. I've got the single track mind of getting Obi-Wan. Um yeah. and he's just like so focused on that goal that mm-hmm. nothing else matters to him right now. I no, I actually think that Vader does not sense Obi Wan until the end of his stroll, when he mm-hmm. kind of like turns his head. So I actually think this is just what Vader does when he walks <laughs> through the streets: yeah. is he kills people, and like this mm-hmm. is how he cements his fearsome reputation. Which, again, like I love this because the original trilogy Vader was kind of clunky. Right. And did mm-hmm. not use the force in, in this strong and this violent of a way. And so for to see him do this, you know, we got that glimpse in Rogue One that everyone loves the hallway scene. 
but that was still mm-hmm. in a military context against soldiers. So to see him use the force this violently against civilians is crafting that Vader narrative in the galaxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's very true. And I think it's important because we're seeing him at a very different time. You know, this is when he's right in the midst of it all. By the time of A New Hope, there, there's kind of a very different power dynamic at work. Would you all, were, were you surprised when you heard James Earl Jones' voice coming out instead of Hayden Christensen's? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was fully expecting Hayden's voice or like a modulated Hayden voice. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. just straight up James Earl Jones. I'm not mad by it in any, in any way, shape or form. I think it makes sense. I do hope we get scenes of like helmetless Vader or flashbacks where we do get to hear Hayden because it still doesn't really feel like him because he's all suited up. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not even be him. I've I've seen some mm-hmm. things that suggest that the suit Vader is a different actor. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. right. And so that they only have Hayden for you know the the actual face scenes, which you know there may be more forthcoming because of that. But I do. I did love James Earl Jones's voice, obviously, like he's the voice of Vader. And especially again, like comparing to Rogue One, I thought he sounded a little tired in Rogue One. And this Mm -hmm. is a man who's 90 years old, so it's understandable (laughs) that his voice has changed. But I thought whatever they did with Rogue One, they kind of pulled back and have done a better job of giving us closer to original Vader here in this series. I was going to say, I'm assuming that's just, like, technological advancements, right? Like, Mm -hmm. James Earl Jones remains a 90-something man, right? (laughs) And they've just gotten better at auto-tuning him, I guess, if that's the right word. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely victory. Yeah, I I, I just loved it. I, You know, I had been... I, I've said that I'm really trying to kind of be commit to being positive and open-minded to what Hayden's going to do, and I was certainly open to it. But honestly, one of my biggest fears was that how... How do you have Hayden when it's supposed to be James Earl Jones' voice at this point? So I'm sure they will still have a lot of Haydenness in it, but it does kind of strike me as a little funny that we're, we had such, so much attention was played to Hayden. A lot of like fan discussion about like, let's give him another chance and, you know, uh, all this press about him on the, the circuit and, you know, the interviews he's giving and like he watched the Clone Wars and all this. And so far, we've had three episodes, half the show is over, and we've had his face on screen for maybe three seconds under all the makeup of, like, wounded, you know, busted up Vader as he's putting a suit on. Oh, and don't forget about slowly turning in desert. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe bump Mm -hmm. that up to four whole seconds. But yeah, (laughs) it's been very minimal. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. 100% there. Well, so one of the things, uh, any other last things either of you want to say before we start jumping into some feedback? Feedback, feedback. Let's go. Well, I just want to start by saying most of the feedback we've gotten has been really positive. We did get a little feedback that was, you know, saying like that they want us to just talk about Star Wars, not talk about kind of the social justice stuff, things like that. And, And I just want to say... If, if that's what you're looking for, this is the wrong podcast for you. And if you want to go elsewhere, that's completely fine with me. I, I, I think we have a strong dedication to the show that like, we love talking about the tech. We love getting into all the details and stuff. But part of why I think we all love these stories is that we do love the way they reflect, you know, kind of questions in our own world or the way they get us thinking about different things. And the fact that there's lots more representation happening in Star Wars. And I think all of us, uh, and I, I, I'm saying this, I think for the two of you, but also for, for everybody who's been a part of my podcasting on, on Star Wars universe, I think we all have 
you know, various opinions about wanting to, to kind of, you know, make the, the, the fandom a place of positivity and, and kind of not let the, the toxicity that gets into like, oh, if you don't like this, you're not a real Star Wars fan or the, the sexism about Ray or the racism about Reva or any of that kind of stuff. So just want to kind of start up by saying like, you know, I love how much of the feedback has been so positive and we get some uh, feedback on that. We did get a little bit on the other side and folks saying like they're going to take their, their listening elsewhere. And if that's the case, uh, you know, do what you need to do because th- that, that is, that is always going to be a key part of this podcast. I, uh, it, it, w- one person accused me of being a social justice warrior. I think I actually class as a social justice bard, not a warrior, <laughs> but either way, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being for part of social justice. To me, that's not that's not an insult. So, just kind of wanted to start by letting uh, talking about that. Yeah, and like to- we again totally sign off on everything you're saying, Matthew. And like the idea of talking about Star Wars without talking about political issues seems like maybe you're not paying enough attention to Star Wars. But um, you know, <laughs> good. Yeah. Find a different podcast, please, and thank you. We're yeah. here for the, the, the social justice issues and the morality and the ethics as well. It is not as incongruous as when Star Trek people say, like, keep <laughs> oh. keep it out of Star Trek. Like, <laughs> oh, God, that makes a- zero sense. I think yeah. Star Wars has, in its history, had issues. The original yeah. trilogy was very white. Right? Yeah, you know, you know, you have Lando Calrissian come in, but the rest of the main cast is very white and very male, right? You got like yes. Mon Martha and Leia, and right. I guess Aunt Beru a little bit. Yeah. And then, as I have expressed, you know, I'm very unhappy with some of the portrayals of alien races, especially mm-hmm. in the prequel trilogy, that I felt were bad caricatures of Asians or you know Jamaicans. Right. So these these types of issues have happened in the past. I think Star Wars is getting a lot better yeah. about it. And we need to continue to talk about it because we want it to continue to get better. Yeah, I, I want to see better representation, more diversity, because this galaxy, right? Like the Star Wars galaxy is not ours. So they don't necessarily deal with the same issues of racism that we do but they can be talked about in different ways because you know traditionally the empire has always been a human supremacist organization we've talked about that right and that the the rebellion is formed of this coalition of all kinds of alien races that is that's the original trilogy right like with admiral akbar and and everyone Mm -hmm. so that exists that exists in star wars and maybe you don't see it the way that i do but you can't just say that it does, it's not there and we can't talk about it. Yeah. I think it's such a good way of saying it. You know, to some extent, it's always been there. And, and I also like what you're saying about how, you know, I think Star Wars has always had some of these messages, but they've also had some messaging that maybe was not the intent, but was not great, you know? And you can say, well, that was just the times, but still that's not good enough. And the original is very white, very male. The prequels definitely had their issues. And, and even in the sequel, you know, to me, one of the most touching parts of all this has been Star Wars itself coming out very strongly in support of Moses Ingram mm-hmm. and, you know, Obi-Wan, uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor <laughs> putting up that really beautiful TikTok and tweet about, hey, listen, this is, you know, I stand with Moses. We all should stand with Moses. This isn't what Star Wars is about. I was so happy to see that. I wish they'd done that for Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, yeah, there's, we can name how good this is. We can talk about that. It's not always been good and there's still a lot more room to go, you know? Totally. So, yeah. 
Well, on that same subject, just I want to carry that good energy because we did get one email specifically about that from Grand Moff Jenny, which, by the way, I think is the best name I've heard yet from a Star Wars fan. And she wrote in, I am living, living in all caps, for Leia and Reva on this show. Seeing the princess as a young girl has been a lot of fun, and I just love seeing someone who looks like me with hair like me being so badass. I didn't know how much I needed that, but I needed that. And thank you for calling out the haters. Don't ever stop. Jennifer. Ugh. Grandma Jenny, you're going to make me cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's representation is like so important and you don't realize it until you get it. I think like Mm -hmm. I'm a white lady, but just like watching Wonder Woman, I was that moment for me where I was like, I mean, I like superhero movies. They're fine and good. But then seeing, yeah, someone who looked like me being this awesome kick-ass character, main character, I was like, oh, so this is what it feels like. Great and good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this case, so the the hair, we're talking about Moses Ingram's hair, right? The braided uh, hair? Yes, yeah. yeah. I assume that's what she means, yeah. Very important point on that. The director, Deborah Chow, basically worked with her. The original character, the hair was not supposed to be styled that way. And they mm-hmm. worked together on this to make it more natural and fitting with what Moses' hair was comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love so that. in this case, the character was changed to fit better with the actress, and the, all of the people involved were very happy to make that change and to work with her on it. So I think that is another, like, the representation we see on screen for the audience is important, but also mm-hmm. within cast and crew to be able to support someone like that. Because yeah. in past, you know, eras of television, I think there are many bad instances where uh, black women were forced to change their hair or might not have even been cast because their hair was, you know, deemed right. inappropriate for the character. I, I couldn't tell you I remember which one, but I know I, I've heard something about a, a a black actress talking about how, in her case, it wasn't even that someone told her she couldn't have the hair the way she wanted. It was that the hairstylist was white and had no idea what to do with black hair, mm, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think that, like you said, the representation of the cast and crew there. I do remember hearing that, that as well. I yeah. don't remember what it was, but... I think also for me, and this is kind of going back to the thing we were just talking about a second ago, and I promise we'll get to the other feedback as well, because I think one of the things that's kind of we, we didn't get into necessarily, but is a big part of this, is the whole question of, you know, well, on the one hand, all these people are don't they don't like Riva for all these horribly racist or sexist reasons. They don't like Princess Leia, often because of sexist reasons. Same with Rey and stuff like that. And I think the accusation that can come back is, oh, does that mean that and that you have to like these characters or else you're racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever it is? I think we're all proving that's very much not the case. You know, I think it is there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying I I love the character's hair. I love that we've got a black woman who's in Star Wars. I might not just love the character like I do. But I think, you know, I think Paul was saying that it's not his favorite necessarily. And I think other people have said the same thing. For me, and so I, I think that's important to kind of knock that argument down entirely. I think the thing, though, for me is, and, and part of what this email reminds me of is, I have found at least that there have been times where, particularly with strong women characters, some of the first times I saw them, I think this happened somewhat with the Wonder Woman movie, where I didn't love the character until, you know, a, a woman friend of mine kind of sat down with me and said, hey, is it possible that these are some of the biases you're bringing in? And kind of pointed out some things about, yeah, that maybe I was expecting a different kind of portrayal of strength from a woman character, and that that was some of my own internal sexism or, or, or what have you. And, you know, and, and in the same way, getting to hear, like, for me, I, I enjoyed Captain Marvel so much 
but I don't think I really got the character until I heard a lot of women, uh, women creators talking about how they related to the struggle that this character was going to and that her, her hero journey was very different because it wasn't about discovering her powers. It was about deciding that she didn't have to hold her powers back, which is not something I've ever really had to think about for myself as someone who's, who's not male, but has been very male socialized and the like. And, and so to me, what it all kind of comes down to is, especially if you're more on the privileged side of things, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with not liking a character, even if there are other people who don't like it for terrible reasons. But maybe take a moment and just ask yourself, like, hey, why is it that I don't love this character? Why is it that I don't love this story? It may be for the best of reasons, but it may sometimes be that there's a little bit of inherent bias that you're not even recognizing yourself. And that's not, that doesn't make you a bad person. It's just something to think about. Yeah, it makes you a person that grew up in society, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, like, the Captain Marvel thing that you're talking about, like, when... Miki and I went to see it. We went to go see it with a bunch of my university friends. And I went to a women's liberal arts university. Like, uh-huh. a big surprise for anybody. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, right? Like, I, I don't think Riki would have enjoyed Captain Marvel nearly as much had he not seen it, like, surrounded by, like, a gaggle of women who are just, like, so thrilled to see this kind of representation on screen, right? I'm kind of putting words in your mouth here, but... I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. To touch back on what you were saying, Matthew, what I have said publicly about this topic is: you can have criticisms of an actress like Moses Ingram, who is a black woman. You can have criticism of the character Riva, the way that she is written or the way that she has acted, the place to do that is not in a conversation about racism in Star Wars. So when Ewan McGregor posts that video and says, there's no place for racism in Star Wars, that is not a place for you to reply and say, but I don't like her character, right? Show your support. Talk about your concerns with the character somewhere else, like on this podcast, right? Like we, we talk about our criticisms. But also, like, keep in mind there's three more episodes at this point, so we don't know the full story. And I think we will definitely revisit at the end, like, all of the characters in this series and and see how we felt, felt about them. But when you come so quickly with criticism, right, like, after episode one and two were released, these, these messages were coming out. When you come so quickly, that's showing something about you, in my opinion. I think that's so well put, you know, and I, back up a couple months, I had posted some, there was like, yet, oh, it's because when the Lego Star Wars game came out and Ray was sort of at the top of the pile and you had all these people attacking that. And I put up a TikTok saying like, hey, listen, this sexism has no place, because a lot of it was very overtly sexist. And I said, look, this, this sexism has no place in Star Wars. Can we stop, please? And people, you know, were like, oh, but Ray is actually terrible. And let me tell you all the reasons why. And then I put up another TikTok specifically saying, hey, folks, how about when I'm trying to talk about the sexism around characters like Ray, maybe that's not the best time to talk about why you don't like the character of Ray. And even then in the comments, I, I got some people would say, oh, I totally agree with you. But let's not forget all the ways Ray is a terrible character. I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's so you can hold your tongue, yeah. <laughs> in, in the moment, it's okay. Yeah. And then there, there are other times to talk about stuff. Yeah, choose your battles. 
All right. Well, um, Hugh wrote in, uh, just Hugh, but the title was Grand Inquisitor Issue. Uh, and Hugh said, first, I love the podcast. It's been listening for a long time. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. As for the Grand Inquisitor, I thought it was a position, not a person. So if the Grand Inquisitor that held the position died, it could very well mean that another person takes the position in Rebels. And so here I think they're referring to the fact that some people think, how could the Grand Inquisitor die if they actually, if we see them die in the TV show Rebels? I'm some people. Continuing the email. That is why the fifth brother and the third sister were fighting over the position. So it won't be breaking canon if the Inquisitor died, and it makes sense as he looks different than the cartoon anyway. Thanks, and keep doing what you're doing. Hugh. Oh, Hugh. Okay, so I, <laughs> I, I, dis- I disagree that he looks different in the cartoon. I don't think he looks that different. I think if you look at Fifth Brother in the live action versus Fifth Brother in Rebels, they look far more different than live action Inquisitor versus cartoon Inquisitor. But, mm-hmm. I mean... That's just my opinion. And I think, like, you could be spot on. They, they could be, this is an entirely different person. But I, if you're going to make him an entirely different person, why give us those touchstones of what the Grand Inquisitor looked like in Rebels? Right. Like, the red eyes, the, like, the... The white face, the white face bald the stripes, head. Bald head. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It, it's, he does sure. look different, but yeah. that's because I believe Rupert Friend, the actor, has a different face than a very thin... You know, right. long cartoon. head well, it's cartoon. Like, it's a Cad Bane issue too, right? Like yeah. Cad Bane looked way different in yeah. uh, Book of Boba Fett than he did in Rebels and Clone Wars. And my favorite part about that was people saying like, well, this doesn't look like Christopher Lee. And <laughs> then like Dooku. showing the Count Dooku from the cartoons, who also has a very narrow face. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, when you translate from animation to live action, you know, I remember, I think Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka is fantastic. The, the Liku, the, the head tails that the character has by the time she's a full adult go past her waist. And I, I think they were very clear, like when they tried to design that kind of a costume for her, they'd basically have to brace her neck because she'd be wearing like 50 pounds on her head and it just wouldn't work. Mm. Um, so they made them shorter. And I, I think that kind of thing is okay. And back to this question, I definitely agree. I think there's a potential canon issue here. I don't, especially because, you know, whatever the canon connection to the original trilogy, they have been so far so faithful to the to the more recent shows like Clone Wars and Rebels. I, I think he's just not dead. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we saw him get stabbed, but that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't always mean death. Qui-Gon's case, it did, but, you know, not all wounds are the same, not all medical care is the same. What a Vader move would it be, especially after the Grand Inquisitor, like, the Grand Inquisitor got stabbed in the back, so Vader might be like, yeah, you're not it, friend. But also, like, let's, let's, let's keep you off the board for a little while and see what plays out and see if maybe I won't let you back in and I am going to kill you or all these people are going to kind of screw up and then I'm going to let you come back in. Like, I think there's just, there's so much potential that he's not actually dead yet. Yeah, I agree. And like I think Paul pointed out in um, a previous episode, like it's yeah, it's not like we've never had a, a baddie in Star Wars appear to die and then come back later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm on team. He's not dead yet because I do think that's the same Grand Inquisitor, and I also don't think they'd be so unfaithful to rebels. But mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Hugh, you could be right. It could be a different dude, and they are just toying with us this whole time. Yeah. What I don't want to see, and I've I've heard this rumor that I guess in maybe one of the novels that the Grand Inquisitor's race is supposed to have like two stomachs, so he could get stabbed in one stomach and still be okay. <gasps> but I don't, 
Like, that's happened in Star Trek. Like, Spock got shot. It's like, oh, good thing Vulcan hearts are on the opposite side. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a sci-fi tropey thing of like, oh, you don't know alien races physiology. But they, they do talk about him in a way that it seems like he's gone, right? Well, okay. So Riva says... Rue starts a sentence, but never actually ends it with, like, the Inquisitor die. Like, after Obi, or, like, after the Grand Inquisitor, dot, 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 and then Vader cuts her off and basically says, like, if you do this, you'll get the position of Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. And then her and Fifth Brother are fighting about it. They never actually say he's dead. Okay. Right. Fair enough. And, like, as we know, both from the books, both Legends and Canon, but also from the TV show, especially I'm thinking of Clone Wars where there's that whole competition where the, you know, people are supposed to kill each other to try to find out who's going to be, you know, Ventress's assistant who becomes Savage Press. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very Sif to A, encourage people to backstab and fight against each other. And it's also very Sith to say, if that happens to you, well, this is survival of the fittest and you were proven not to be the fittest. So I think mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that, like, he's not, he's wounded. But but he's like, yeah, Vader's like, well, not going to trust him anymore. Who's next? And then maybe because, as I think, like, probably Kenobi gets away in the end. I mean, if we have any respect for for, for <laughs> Ken and Kenobi's, Kenobi's not going to die in this. Jeez. And I am at, you know, I could easily see Vader being like, well, I'm going to kill all the Grand Inquisitors and bring back the the old guy, you know, or certainly not the the, the fifth brother, because we, we definitely do get him again. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Kenobi does survive, which clearly he does, that would say something to me about Reva's life expectancy. And that might answer, why don't we see Reva in later stuff? Yeah, totally. So. Yeah, fourth sister having, you know, has big red shirt Inquisitor energy here. Yes. So my, in my head... I feel like Fourth Inquisitor is going to die in the course of this season. I think Reva survives and is like villain, continues to be villain for season two, but maybe gets like bumped down when the Grand Inquisitor makes his reappearance. Mm-hmm. And they have said pretty clearly that there won't be a season two, but oh, they've oh. also, Disney has said that about a lot of things. So, <laughs> well, and it doesn't necessarily need to be season two of Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Like, yeah. you could have the Reva yeah. show at that point. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah, the Reva Fifth be- Brother show. I'd watch mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Hugh mentioned Fifth Brother, and and I just want to shout out the actor for that, Sung Kang, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. from the Fast and the Furious franchise plays Han, a different Han. Yeah. And <laughs> he, I loved him in that show. He he had this thing where his character was always snacking on stuff. So I kind of want mm-hmm. Fifth Brother like in the background to just be like eating some potato chips or something yeah. is a is a callback to that. <laughs> Coming up probably, potato chips. <laughs> probably won't happen. Well, and it's interesting that, you know, they have the voice actor for Fifth Brother in the Rebels cartoon was uh, Philip Anthony Rodriguez. So we have a changer. Like, that's, he's an American actor, but very uh, Latino name and had that kind of accent. And Sung Kang uh, is, is playing it Asian, right? Which mm-hmm. I love, again, for representation. But it's a slight change. And I do worry about changes like that because we are going to see it with the character of Sabine Wren upcoming mm-hmm. in Ahsoka is going to be played by a Chinese actress, right? But the original voice actor from Rebels was Tia Sirkar, who is Indian. 
Right. So it's interesting to see these changes from cartoon to live action and how do you deal with that? And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, how, we, we might never get an Agent Callus in live action because the character is white, but the voice actor is black. And, I, right. and he's so iconic that I don't know that you could do that. Yeah. yeah. It's something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of these live action ca- these I will say uh, the, our friends of the Animation Deliberation Podcast would insist we say animation, not cartoon. Oh. Um, but I hear what you're saying. And, and, and yeah, like, you know, I've loved Tamora Morrison getting so much attention. And his, just those five seconds of him as a homeless veteran was so powerful to me. Mm-hmm. But it also, again, me like he getting, uh, I had a lot of friends who were at Star Wars Celebration and I was watching a lot of it. And it was all this celebration of so much of the live a- live action actors. And I was like, but where's Deep Arc? D. Bar- uh, D. Baker Bradley, Bradley Baker. you know, yeah. D. Baker Bra- Bra- Bradley Baker. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And in that case, like Tamora Morrison is Maori, uh, and and Bradley is very much not. So like I'm good about that. But you know, and then like there were people were talking about how there was this one scene of the voice actor of Ahsoka hanging out with Hayden Christian, Hayden Christensen, mm. and it was like that's great. But what about Matt, the the voice actor who who did Anakin? And so yeah, I'm. I, I think you're right. It. it you can do a whole bunch of uh, things in terms of racial casting with voice actors because it's not – you're never seeing the person. You're just hearing their voice. And, like, I thought it was great that it was a black person voicing callous, you know, because, again, proving, like, you don't have to be locked into these boxes. But you're right. It, it, it raises a lot of issues in terms of who gets to ca- who gets to, to play these parts going forward. Hmm. I th- maybe what it will mean is the future of animation in Star <laughs> Wars and maybe in general for other franchises – Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Marvel, right? Like has live action and has animation. It may mean that if they are creating new characters, that they need to draw them more similar to the voice Mm -hmm. actor, right? In case that they do this, like have cameos or whatever, bring them into other places. Yeah, but you mean to give give that person the opportunity? Sure. I I don't know. I feel like oh, I was just gonna say like. I'm not sure if every voice actor wants to be a live action actor as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many voice actors who do so many characters. Like Dee Bradley Baker, if you look up his IMDb page, I mean, he's been in some cartoon slash animation that you've watched, I guarantee it. Obviously, mm-hmm. Star Wars, but yeah. beyond that, right? But yeah, I, Callus is difficult. I think we should, I could go on a huge Callus tangent right now, so we should maybe get mm-hmm. back to like uh, yeah. Obi-Wan feedback. But yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah, like I, I think there's definitely a good point there. I, I think I'm also I, I'm seeing both sides because also I think like you know you can have actors in wheelchairs who can do great voice acting who couldn't necessarily play an able-bodied mm-hmm. you know character, and so maybe make the, you could say like make their character disabled, which is great, but also nice to that they they don't have to you know through voice acting they can play a whole bunch of characters who they wouldn't necessarily look like physically on screen. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think there's I think there's value for both. That's a good point. Real quick on celebration, Star Wars celebration. D. Bradley Baker was there. I saw. I definitely saw pictures of. Oh, him that's awesome. Signing. Yeah. Um, he he did not. I don't think he had an interview. The okay. most prominent voice actor I saw getting an interview was Sam Witwer, the voice actor for Maul, and he yeah. came out and he did the Kenobi yell to the delight of the crowd. <laughs> that that is one time. Like I think for a lot of these a lot of these cases, the voice actor and the live action actor have got. There's a balance. I think poor, poor Ray Park, 
the original actor who played, you know, and, and in fairness, he's not, he wasn't even an actor. He was the fight coordinator who did such a good job that they decided to just cast him as Maul. Mm. And I think he did a fine job as Maul. But yeah, the, the voice actor has completely taken over that part. Yeah, and the character's like grown so much from mm-hmm. um, the, the, not Very Force Awakens. So. Wow. Episode one. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Jeez. Phantom Menace. Sorry, it's been a long weekend for me. My brain is right. puddingified. I got one more email for us to read, or at least one more email about Kenobi. Um, this comes from Matt from the UK. The title was The Leia of It All. Uh, and Matt writes, hi. Hello. Longtime listener here. Loved the lead up to the Kenobi show and your coverage of episodes one and two. Thank you so much. I'll be to the point. Personally, I am enjoying these episodes as, yes, it is more Star Wars and love the Kenobi character. I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops further. The one main issue I have is now all the extra headcanoning I'm going to have to do to fit in line with the original theory. Original trilogy. So much of it! Exclamation point. Of course, the statement from Vader from A New Hope that when they last met, he was the learner, now he's the master, completely overruled by them meeting now. Although the ruthlessness he had in the village was terrifying. But the biggest one I'm trying to think around is the message Leia sends to Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Yes, the fact she sends him the message is backed up by the time being spent with him now, but surely if she's having such a deep experience with him at the age of 10, then she would mention this instead of how he served her father in the Clone Wars. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I'm certainly not disappointed we have Leia in the show. I think it's refreshing, but it does cause more questions for me. Let me know what you think, Matt in the UK, who might be a plant for Sarah from Canada. Who knows? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Added that last part. No, no, no. And it was an email we got from totally someone totally separate. I just think it's funny. Yes. Sarah, I agree I very much thoughts. with Matt in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Especially the, like, okay. To be fair, I don't think I remember a ton of adults from, like, when I was 10. But I also didn't go on, like, wild capers with any <laughs> of them either. You didn't get kidnapped and have someone rescue you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, like, you... You met my father in the Clone Wars. Like, I, this is something I was talking with Riki of, like, I do like that Leia's in it. I kind mm-hmm. of wish that we got the Leia-Obi-Wan inter- interaction more as, like, maybe Bale and Obi-Wan are talking and Leia's like, ugh, dad's talking to someone at the grocery store again. When are we going to go? I have video mm-hmm. games to play at home. Because, like, I don't think I would remember any of those folks when, like, my mom would stop and talk to her friends at the grocery right. store, right? And I, as an adult, would probably refer to them as, like, someone who worked with my mom in the Clone Wars, etc. So, yeah, it's it's a strained balance. But, yeah, unless it's, like, some sort of code that we're going to get explained, it, it does require mm. a ton of headcanoning. I completely agree, mm-hmm. Matt. Well, I, so I have scrutinized those lines. <laughs> and it already... Prior to the Kenobi show, that message already doesn't make sense from what we have gotten. Because she says, General Kenobi, many years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Bail Organa was a senator in the Republic and then the Empire. And Obi-Wan Kenobi was a Jedi who served in the Jedi Council, under the Jedi Council, and then was a general you know, in the Grand Republic Army that serves the Republic, I don't think there's any military person who says to a senator, I served for you, or I served Mm -hmm. you, right? So what was written in A New Hope made it seem like a much closer, more personal serving relationship, like that Obi-Wan Kenobi served for Alderaan or something like that. And then, you know, Phantom Menace and the prequel trilogies went away from that. Yeah. And... 
that's okay, right? Like, Return of the Jedi, Luke says, Leia, do you remember your mother, your real mother? She says, yes, she was very beautiful. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, clearly she can't, baby Leia cannot remember that. I mean, mm. okay, baby Leia has magic force powers, maybe she can't. <laughs> I was going to say, which I do like that we're seeing, like, the level of mental intuition this child has. Like, mm-hmm. yes, she has some emotional intelligence, but I think it's definitely some latent force powers that she doesn't understand. Oh, totally. I completely agree. Yeah, I think we you mentioned that and when we talked about episodes mm-hmm. one and two. And yeah, I completely agree with you there. But yeah, I think it's a little easier to, like, brush under the, like, you serve my father in the Clone Wars. Because, like, yeah, he was a general for the army and you know, bail worked for the Senate, so technically, than it is to just be, like... And also, remember that time you saved me from the kidnappers? Yeah. Right? I I think for me, it's both is true. Like, I think this is hardly the first time that the prequels have not stuck with complete fidelity to the original. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, and that's like Star Trek has done that. Like, the MCU has done that. Like, every universe. And to me, that's like... There's a part of me that's just like, please, everybody stop doing prequels because it's just always going to have this problem to some extent. But I do like I, I so I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, Riki, on that. But it's also like it bothered me then and it bothers me now. It's not mm-hmm. isn't, it doesn't kill my childhood. It doesn't hurt anything. I'll still enjoy the show. But I think it's worth commenting on. And I'll say kind of like I, I actually thought you all were going to be disagreeing with me on this. To me, I will say this is when I'm happy that I'm doing all these podcasts because when I mentioned this to to Ashley and Paul, they were like completely unsympathetic. So I'm glad at least, Sarah, that you and I are somewhat on the same page. And and Matt from the UK, you know, after Paul and uh, Ashley, I needed some backup. So I appreciate it. (laughs) But let me also offer this potential fix to an issue of the fact that future Leia in the postquill trilogy has named her son Ben. Yeah. Right? And it's like, why would she name him after a guy who served her father and she, like, didn't actually meet right like they didn't actually cross paths on the death star mm-hmm. now if they had this experience and he saved her at the age of 10 and connected with her maybe it makes a little more sense beyond just like honoring that old guy that helped us or it could mm-hmm. just be a name <laughs> sorry <Yeah. laughs> I, I i do like it if it is a reference to him and i yes. I, I mean it has given us so many beautiful moments, you know, like just mm-hmm. the the stuff in the first two episodes where he, you know, he's talking to her about what seems to be, he's thinking about Padme as he's saying, you know, you remind me of someone. The moment here where she asks in the third episode where she says, are you my father? Uh, and he, he says, no, but I wish I was. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, some people are positing that that means he was attracted to Padme. I don't think it means that in no. the slightest. <laughs> I, I think it means A... He hates the at some point this girl's gonna have to learn about her father and it's terrible mm-hmm. and he wishes he didn't have to give her that news. But I also think it's that you know I, I more and more I'm coming to the idea and, and the, the book I just read Brotherhood, which is about Anakin and uh, Obi Wan at the very start of the Clone Wars and it's a canon novel goes into this as well. But more and more I'm coming to this idea that when Obi Wan looks at Anakin and Padme he sees the potential that could have happened with him and Sabine. Mm-hmm. Sabine. And so, mm-hmm. Satine, thank you, sorry. And so, when he says that, what he means is, you know, you're the daughter that I could have had in a different life with a different person. You know, and so, like, oh, yeah. Anakin having you as a daughter is that he did get to have the life that, in a very secret way, but he got to have what I never got to have with Satine. Yeah, well, and I think he says, like, she asked, like, 
are you my papa? He's also, I wish that I, I wish I could say that I was. And yeah, even just like, just the way that he delivers yeah. a line is like so touching and genuine. Yeah, it definitely does not seem like a, I had the hops for Padme in any yeah. way, shape, or form. But mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Matthew. It's like a, I wish I could have had a family of my own. I wish your father was not currently being all Darth Vader. And how about him talking about his own memories of his family oh, and yeah. the possibility that he has a brother? Like, A, yeah. for fandom, that's that's very, like, exciting, right? Like, Kenobi yeah. brother story someday. But also very sad for him. Well, and just, like, another, I think, taking the, my ever-lengthening column of, like, maybe the yeah. Jedi aren't the good guys when he talks about, like, well, they took me away when I was so extremely young. He's like, and then I joined the Jedi and got this new family. It's like, join was conscripted to. Like, I don't, yeah. Oh, you know, people talk about joining cults. That's the language they're going to use. Yeah, true, true, right? It's just, it's, it's, ugh. I love that we're like filling in the lore this way. And yeah, it's not, it's not the show that I wanted, but maybe it's the show that I needed, I guess. Yeah. I need a Satine reference yes. in the second half. Yes. Yeah. How crazy would it be if Vader says the name? Like, like maybe like threatening Leia says like, Obi-Wan, you can't protect her just the way you could not protect Satine. It'd be like just a stab in the heart. Okay. So I do think we've ended the Obi-Wan. Well, I guess like she's with Reva now, so maybe not. But they're sending Obi-Wan to, is it Jabim? Is the name of the planet? I believe so, yeah. Um, and then, theoretically, Leia's supposed to go back to Alderaan, but she's with Reva now, so who knows where she's going to end up. But, yeah, I just, I don't, I really hope that she doesn't meet Vader now. I don't know. I feel like that would just yeah break break too many things and make me have to, to headcanon super duper hard, like, like Matt's saying mm-hmm. here. But... I, yeah. I think you're definitely right there. I, I, I will say, just going back to the other thing, I remember when, one of the things that was talked about a lot was that in the Legends canon, Kenobi has a child named mm-hmm. Corky Kenobi, I believe. And there was some discussion of, will Corky be real? Is there going to be a continuation of the Kenobi line somewhere in this universe? You know, at one point, people were speculating before Rise of Skywalker that maybe Rey was a Kenobi, things like that. I really, really like the mention of a brother because mm-hmm. for me, it means that they, that if they want to bring someone in with a Kenobi family line, like I, I, I kind of would rather we get away from this kind of like, you know, the five holy families of Star Wars and everything is traced to one of these families, like just let more random people be in the story. But if we have to have a Kenobi, I'm very glad that it's Obi-Wan as uncle because and maybe this is just me, but I, I'm holding fairly strong to the idea that con- that Obi-Wan and Satine never consummated that relationship, that they never actually slept together. They never, he, he never crossed that line. Because to me, I think it really helps to illustrate again that, that, that why he finds it so hard to say to Anakin not to. And, and to me, I think so. If there was a child of Satine running around out there, I think it would just, Again, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I think it's it's definitely not what I want. So I like that the brother is introduced, because then if we need more Kenobis, we have another source for them. So, okay. 
I have a lot of, here's a bunch of things to say. I think it's super interesting that like in the canon novels, he's got a kid named Corky because Corky mm-hmm. is the name of Satine's nephew in Clone Wars. Yeah, and I think there's that's, like, there's a fan theory. Yeah, that, that, that Corky is Satine and Obi-Wan's kid, like secret kid. And like, cause Satine says that it's her nephew, but we never see like Bo-Katan as being a mother or anything like that. She doesn't mention any having any other siblings. So, like, where did Corky come from? Um, and Corky looks a lot like Obi-Wan, and just, like, the way they interact in Clone Wars is very, like, oh, that's your secret kid that maybe Obi-Wan doesn't even know about. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I enjoy that fan theory. But I see yeah. what you're... I hear what you're saying, Matthew, in that, like, having Obi-Wan keep the sort of... keep to the, the strict language of the Jedi Code... And wishing that he didn't yep. it does give a big reason for why he's so like permissive about Padme and Anakin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could go either way. And we'll see. I don't know that the Jedi Code forbids sex. I mean. Per se. <laughs> sure. It forbids like connection. And that yeah. seems pretty big. But like, you, I and I feel like Satine would not have just been like a one night stand. No. Yeah. But that I think to me, like that is why I believe that they had sex. I think I, I certainly always had the sense that it was supposed to be the kind of a celibate monk thing, but you're right, it certainly doesn't have to be. I think they are going to establish it in canon that it does supposed to mean celibacy, because I think in the High Republic books, the Jedi do have sex from time to time and they're showing all the problems it causes. Mm. And and I'm sort of on the theory of the High Republic is setting up why by the time of Obi-Wan and Anakin, the Jedi are much stricter than they've been at other points in their time. But you're right, it has, that has not been established in canon yet. So you're right, it, it is certainly possible that I'm reading that into it. I think I'm doing the same reading into it that, that you are, Matthew. But yeah, I yeah. We'll see. see what you're saying. Lot to figure out, lot to figure out. Anyway, uh, any last comments about Kenobi? Yes, we. I don't think we've talked about Quinlan Voss at all. Yeah, let's get into the Quinlan Voss. Oh, Quinlan Voss, surfer bro extraordinaire. So when mm. when they are in that bunker uh, on the path, do they call mm-hmm. it? Yeah, like yeah. the underground railroad for Jedi. Obi Wan sees the message carved in the wall. From he says Quinlan was here, and that's Quinlan Voss, a Jedi who appeared in the Clone Wars, was kind of. I believe coded like a uh, native, like Indian. Yeah, indigenous. Um, yeah, I think a Hawaiian yeah. specifically, which is oh, like, okay. part of why the surfer uh, yeah. dude idea comes in. And mm-hmm. very much had kind of like the surfer dude attitude and like mm-hmm. mannerisms. Just kind of a fun Jedi and a rebellious Jedi. So it's interesting that he is one of the survivors here. He's He has been established in the past as surviving but now we are getting that and potentially getting that story because Tala mentions that he helps out from time to time. Maybe mm-hmm. we're going to get a Quinlan Voss appearance in live action. So, okay. Is, is I'm just not remembering. Is Quinlan Voss, does he, I think we mentioned in the books, is he the one who goes off with Ventress? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. He and Ventress have a relationship. He actually goes to the dark side for a while, comes back. She helps him come back and then sacrifices herself and then he honors that sacrifice um of her like they i believe they have like some kind of ceremony at the jedi temple for her Mm -hmm. to honor that so he's he's an interesting character from that perspective too of having gone to the dark side right 
And and all that is from uh, the novel Dark Disciple, which I think is one of the best Star Wars novels out there and is canon. It's, it, it really gets into the nature of the dark side and what it means to, to be a part of it or to fight it. And is just, I think, one of my, the best books about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I would absolutely love that. Yes, more more Quinlan Voss is exciting. I yeah. In addition to the Satine thing, I kind of hope that maybe he makes an appearance later on. Who knows? Yeah, that can make sense. And or if nothing else, we might, as Sarah said, like we might not get Kenobi season two, but I think they're now kind of kind of what sort of what Marvel is doing with its series, where like you know, WandaVision sets up all the stuff that then happens in the Doctor Strange movie, and like mm-hmm. Hawkeye sets up stuff that sets up the next show. You know, so I think we're gonna get. Uh, just these kind of ongoing, like, you know, kind of, kind of like what comic books do, where you have one particular series, but then it sets things up for the next series, whether it's the same run or not. Totally. And not even just the next series, but setting up a whole arc of the Young right. Avengers, right? Like, they have seeded these characters into the shows, not even as actual heroes yet, but as just, right. like, the son of a hero that they're talking to. So, yeah, yeah. The, the mention of Quinlan certainly could be setting up for something in the future. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, this has been great. Thank you both so much. I always love having you on. We'll keep doing these kind of feedback episodes as, as Kenobi goes, and then we will get back to our Rebels coverage, I promise. Uh, but just, you know, right now it's uh, it's Kenobi time, and there's so much there to talk about. Riki or Sarah, anything you all want to plug about things you're up to that people might want to check out? It's summer, baby. I'm not up to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just enjoying the show more and more. I started off a little skeptical. Yeah. Um, but especially on the rewatch of part three, I really enjoyed the Darth Vader parts. And it, yeah. it, it is what I needed. Yeah. I think so, too. I think James Earl Jones, just his voice gave me such a sense of comfort and safety, which is hilarious given how terrifying he is. But just in terms of like, yeah, I was worried about the Hayden of it all. And and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to actually do with him. I will say there is one – I don't want to be play the expectations game. I know it may not happen, and I will try to survive. But if I don't get Liam Neeson as Force Ghost Qui-Gon at some point, I'm going to be very disappointed. It's oh. going to happen. It has to happen. If it doesn't, I will revolt with you. Yeah. yeah. It's- okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. I know some people have been complaining that it hasn't happened yet, but it's that buildup of – having seen Obi-Wan lost his connection to the Force in the right. same way that he struggled so much to use the Force to suspend Leia off the ground, right? Like, he is struggling yeah. to connect with Qui-Gon's ghost. Yeah. And then well, when it all comes together for him, when he reconnects mm-hmm. with his power, he's probably going to kick some Inquisitor butt, maybe even some Vader butt, or at least yeah. to a standstill, mm-hmm. and he's going to con- reconnect with Qui-Gon. It's like a big training montage. What better thing to talk to Qui-Gon about than how to deal with Anakin? Because oh, geez, he yeah. he never wanted to to train Anakin. He did it as Qui-Gon's dying wish. So, yeah, like I think, oh, I hadn't even thought of that to this moment. But I think that would be so powerful, like seeing him be like, Master, you made me do this. What do I do about this boy? I, I, or even worse, the like, Master, I'm so sorry you asked me to do this. And I totally messed it up you know yeah well he's like he's trying to talk to Qui-Gon and those are the like we we saw the very beginning of this episode those are the issues he's bringing up and I think the fact that they keep showing him attempting to talk to Qui-Gon at the beginnings is like basically like sealing the the deal that they are going to give us force ghost Qui-Gon and I will be so Mm -hmm. so upset if they don't 
One thing I noticed also is I kind of went back and rewatched some of the earlier scenes of Force Ghosts, and mostly it's only Luke we see have them. He never asks them. Ben, oh, Force Ghost mm. Ben, or then the Last Jedi Force Ghost Yoda always shows up and surprises Luke. So maybe that's also like you know it, it's not going to be when when Obi Wan is saying please help me. It's going to be when it's needed. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's so much more we could say, but I do want to keep these not too long. This one is just audio, but we are now doing a lot of the super, a lot of the ethical panda podcasts, both this and superhero ethics are going out on the video. You can often see them live streamed on twitch.tv slash zen madman. But the best thing to do is to go to the YouTube channel. I think it's YouTube slash user slash zen madman. If you just Google youtube.com Zed Madman, you'll probably find it, or the link to it will be in the show notes. Please go to that. Check out the videos. They're a lot of fun. He's also pulling out some like just one or two minute clips that are a lot of fun. This is what Paul's been doing to try to really help kind of build up our network. Even if you're not going to watch it, if you wouldn't mind just going to their channel and just hitting like and subscribe, it really helps us. It helps us to start generating, you know, we, we can take some of those YouTube bucks and, uh, use that to make more contact for you all, which is, I think, the goal for everybody. So check that out. If you go to theethicalpanda.com, there you'll find all the ways to contact us. As you can hear, we love feedback. Let us know what you think. Let us know your opinions. We'd love to hear it. You know, we're about 48 hours from the the next episode going live, or, or less than that, actually. We're like 27 hours from the next episode going live. So what are your theories for the next episode? What are you hoping for? What do you know? Let us know. Theethicalpanda.com. You'll find all the contact info. You'll also find all the other podcasts that are going on. I'm doing stuff with the boys. I'm doing stuff with uh, Stranger Things is going to be coming out. There's a lot of content coming out in June. So please check all those things out. Please check out the great stuff that Ricky and Sarah are up to. And most importantly, have a good and non-toxic day. Kenobi. Kenobi. Kenobi.